0: Welcome to the WorkPrint Podcast, where today we'll be talking about Deadly Class, sci-fi's newest comic book series. Uh, The series premieres January 16th on sci-fi, and today we'll be talking about the very first episode. Um, On the podcast today, we have Nicole. Hello. And we also have Christian, the reviewer. (laughs) for um uh deadly class for the work prep hey how's it going all right christian um so you have delved very deep into deadly class so much so that you were just saying right before this podcast started that you might be sick of deadly class (laughs) from how much (laughs) you've been uh uh in it yeah yeah very much so so uh tell us a little bit about the series
1: okay um Deadly Class is uh, (laughs) it's a it's a story about this kind of like loner kid who uh, is wanted for murder. He gets recruited into a high school that trains assassins, and uh, he kind of wants to avenge his murdered family, who um, he. He he blames his parents' deaths on uh, President Ronald Reagan, <laughs> and so he gets pulled into this world, and it's not what it all uh, is cut out to be. Yeah.
2: So it's set in the eighties, right? Yes. That's one of the things that seemed really kind of striking about the pilot um the visuals and you know even like kind of the grittiness of it and like um from your perspective um what um was that an aspect that you enjoyed uh with the pilot
1: uh yeah absolutely uh a lot a lot of the series is uh directed and uh, written by rick remender he's actually the uh the creator of the comic book he actually got to co-show run the series as well so um a lot of it is um directed and written in his voice the 80s element is kind of the whole reason they uh, created deadly class because he felt like there wasn't a series that had really encapsulated like that punk goth rebel uh type scene so him and his partners ended up ended up kind of just creating this comic based off of that. And it just happens to be featured in a world with assassins, but for the most part, it's it's their story of their take on the 80s when they were kids.
2: Ah, very cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I know, um, I, you mentioned in
0: your review, uh, which will be going up around the same time as this podcast over at the Workprint, uh, that, you know, we've seen a lot of 80s influence on television uh, in the recent years, but I think one of my... Uh, favorite things about this is like how it takes that style takes the grittiness of like a world of assassins and then has one of my most favorite soundtracks in years <laughs> uh, do you have uh, any favorite song selections or anything or has it just been more background for you
1: uh i mean the pilot has a lot of great songs um I list them in the article that uh, I did, or some of the artists, I should say. Uh, I'm a big fan of The Cure, (laughs) Uh, so I kind of dug that. Um, uh, To be honest, because of the, uh, the showrunner being also the the person who who uh, wrote the comics, he like handpicked a lot of the, the music tastes from what he used to listen to as a kid. So it's a very particular uh, soundtrack that he even used to inspire some of the actors uh, on set. It's like, hey, you're this character. This is what this person used to listen to. Um, so it's, it's very detailed because it's kind of about his life, which is weird. <laughs> But cool
0: <laughs> <laughs> in um, terms of adaptation uh, what can like comic book fans of deadly class expect from this series uh,
1: so this one's a little tough because um, there's actually a really fascinating uh, interview about it with the Russo brothers saying um, it's virtually impossible to go directly from the comic to uh, television adaptation there's never a pure one-to-one ratio, things will always be changed, uh, especially with adaptations. Uh, Probably the purest comic to uh, visual medium I've seen was Watchmen, and you saw, like, that was kind of, like, mixed from the audience's actions. As for Deadly Class, um, there's just so much mature material and things that they can't feature for the uh, TV show, because it would just break the censor rating. (laughs) Um, That being said, though, I think they do a pretty good job, especially because, again, the guy who created it is the showrunner, or co-showrunner of the show. And I think
0: one of my favorite things is just... I haven't read the entire first trade paper back for it, but flipping through, looking at the images, the characters and the actors look like... They they look so similar. Uh, They really, I think, for their casting... Handpicked some of like the most perfect matches for some of these characters. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And even like from page to screen, uh, there's that one scene um, in the pilot where Marcus is sleeping on the bench, and you see and you see uh, an animated sequence of how his parents were killed. And if you actually look and compare it to um, you look looking compared to what was actually in the graphic novel, it is, it is unbelievable. It's, it's like they animated just the pages of that sequence.
1: S- funny story about that. Um, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they really? Um, so from what I, I gathered from the research I was doing was, um, again, because it was the same people, uh for some of these sequences particularly all the uh, the kids and their flashbacks um they actually pretty much tried to translate the animation from the comic and animate it directly uh onto the screen um a big reason for that being is to try to be unique with their flashbacks which is what a lot of series try to do um but more than anything else to embrace that style because again it's all about that creator man like it's really his vision, a lot of it. So,
2: is there um, a character that really stands out for you right now um, on the series?
1: Uh, <laughs> I really dug Willie. Um, I don't want to ruin it for <laughs> fans, though. You kind of have to watch the pilot to see why.
0: So, um, speaking of like Willie and casting characters, uh, can you just run through? uh our band of misfits for deadly class
1: uh sure give me one second because i don't want to miss anyone uh all right cool you have uh marcus who's our protagonist he is sort of a loner uh he keeps a lot of things to himself he's got uh a lot of inner monologues uh self-narration um, and the entire story for the m- most part of the first few episodes is told from his point of view I believe um, and yeah yeah, he's the, he's the one who was a uh, he came from a boy's home that uh, some sort of tragedy uh, went down and he is allegedly responsible for the deaths of everyone there
0: yeah and I think one of my Uh, Favorite things from this pilot Is they Marcus never fully says What happened to him at the boys home But there's a lot of great Visual storytelling Around it Uh, Like the scene when he finally gets the king's dominion The assassin school And he takes a shower And you just see all the cuts On his body uh, How he reacts to the knife that Chico Holds against him When he first encounters Chico in the hallways, Um, I I, I think the—I'm not sure how it is in episodes two and onwards, but at least in the pilot, I thought the visual storytelling uh,
1: filled in a lot of gaps that you know might not have been said out loud. Absolutely, and I think the Russos actually had a lot to do with that for that pilot. Um, Although they're not credited as directors, from what I hear, they did a lot of work on the action sequences. And they were very particular about what to emphasize on the uh, early scripts. So, Yeah, so speaking
0: of action sequences, I think everyone's favorite Netflix girl has one <laughs> of the coolest yeah. ones early on in the episode. So tell us a little bit about Lana
1: Condor, Christian. Uh, <laughs> so Lana Condor is playing Saya, and uh, it's, it, she's kind of like the most important character in the series. She's sort of amazing at literally everything, like she's super smart, she's great at, you know, being an assassin, Um, she is really well-connected, has deep roots with the Yakuza, um, and she's kind of rocking the samurai sword and just kicking butt left and right. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, her sequence. I mean, she pulls up on a motorcycle and you're just like, this girl means business. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so who else do we have rounding oh. off this band?
1: Right, right. Um, all right. So we have Billy, who's surprisingly a lot of people's uh, favorite character from those who saw the pilot. Um, he He's sort of this punk uh, outcast kid, uh, but he's really sweet. Um, in the later episodes, you see it even more so. He's kind of the, um, Ron to Harry Potter, the way Mm. I see him. So, um, yeah. Which is also strange, too, because, uh, the next character I'm going to introduce is supposed to be Marcus's best friend. So they're kind of, like, both kind of awesome in that sense. Um, but as for Billy, uh, he, he is kind of our entryway into that punk scene. So, like he really shows us a lot of that culture of the time yeah um and then that gets me to the next character who's named willie which is very i know strange uh <laughs> this is my favorite character He is this african-american kid who basically represents what i think is like the compton gangs of uh, south central los angeles they kind of brush over it, but that's kind of uh, his background. He's like the big, tough dude. The guy with a really tough reputation. But um, as you get to know him in the series, he's very squishy. And I kind of love him for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's played by uh, Luke Tenney. And uh, I think his first role. Wow. And, yeah. And then uh, there's Maria. She's kind of um, the love interest, uh, for Marcus. It's a little, it's a little complicated, to be honest, because she's also, um, the girlfriend of, uh, Chico, the guy that we mentioned earlier, who's the leader of the Sotovatos gang, uh, which are kind of like the, 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 elite, the top gang of the school. Um, she's, she's very charming, but she's also very, uh, scheming, So she's cool, but she's also cunning and somebody you don't want to turn your back around, you know?
2: Would you say that all the characters have kind of their own agendas um, kind of coming into this? And do you, um, like, I know we sort of see a little bit of that in the pilot. um, But, you know, just from at least from like the comic book perspective, is that something that definitely gets flushed out more?
1: Absolutely. Um, This is a very character driven series, which is another reason I absolutely love it uh it's strange but every every one of these characters has some sort of motivation uh something that kind of uh drove them to be at this school for some reason or another and uh they don't always get along they all have different sort of objectives per se so
2: (laughs) I actually wanted to ask you as well about how um, Marcus is Saya's pledge and how, um, like, how does that all work, you know, within the school?
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. So this is, uh, this is interesting because it's a little different from the, uh, from the comic book and the TV show adaptation. Uh, I think in the comic book. Uh, Saya pledges for Marcus because, for the most part, I think everyone kind of just brushes him away. They gave him a chance. He kind of said no. They were like, no, never mind. It's whatever. Um, But in the TV show, they go out of their way to get Marcus on their team. So, um, to be frank, I'm not 100% sure (laughs) how the pledge system is going to work in the show, because it's very (laughs) different from the comic... But either way, uh, Saya is definitely the one responsible for what Marcus does.
2: Hmm. Which I'm sure will be quite interesting as the series goes along.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Um, So, let's talk about King's Dominion a bit. Uh, It's a school of assassins run by Master Lin, played by Benedict Wong, who many of you might know from Doctor Strange or Avengers Infinity War. walk us through this school and like i don't want to say gangs but more like affiliations uh, that are um you know placed throughout you know regular high schools have your jocks your preps and so on and so forth what does king's dominion have
1: uh <laughs> there's quite a few cliques in uh, in king's dominion um I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, unfortunately, but I'll try. Um, I think uh, to start with the, the rats, that's the group that Marcus and all the punks are uh, a part of, including um, uh, Billy and uh, Petra and and Lex? Is it Lex or Lux? One of the one of the two. I can't remember his name exactly off the top of my head. Um, they're the outcasts. They don't come from any sort of special family or uh, are affiliated with any government organizations like the CIA because they have no, like, uh, family slash heredity. Um, they kind of just hang out together, uh, usually on the roof of, uh, of the school, <laughs> which I think they call the graveyard in the TV series. Um and then there is uh, the, I think the Kyori Syndicate. I believe I can't. I can't remember how to pronounce it. Um, let me double check. Yeah, uh, the Karaoke Syndicate. I'm totally butchering these names. I apologize. Uh, uh, that's the group that Sai is in charge of, and they're basically a family of uh, the Yakuza, or like one of the elite families of the Yakuza and uh she is a member and kind of in charge of them in the school uh what's interesting about the show as compared to the comic is uh they delve into that a lot more in later episodes but i'll kind of just leave it at that because i don't want to again ruin it for other people (laughs) um so I think there's a few more, uh, the Dixie mobs, which, <laughs> oh gosh. uh,
0: I believe, uh, Billy describes as confederate cousin diddlers, white nationalists, and Nazis, which I kind of found pretty, I, pre- I-, I was just surprised they would allow Nazis into this school, especially after, yeah, just
1: because they're Nazis. <laughs> Alright, so it's funny that you mentioned that, um... The show is, from what I understand, getting a lot of heat for the portrayal of that, of that uh, group. I'm not sure if they're going to edit the episodes or what's being censored. But from what I hear, or from what I heard from my research, was uh, a lot of people were unhappy with uh, some of the groups there and the things that they said <laughs> or were allowed to say and portray. Um, so that's kind of led to some negative reactions to the uh, pilot. Which is strange because I think um, the early screeners are different from what ended up getting released because I th- believe they censored a few things because of the reaction.
0: So I know when I initially first saw the uh, first screener that Sci-Fi sent out, uh, there the animated scene of Marcus on the bench was not there. Um, yeah. And when I was watching it a few days ago, I saw it and I was like this is new. I don't remember this. Um, And I think uh, they've recently just put up a new version of the second episode as well uh, on the media site.
1: Yeah, um, and that's definitely because of some of the initial reactions. I think, um, I can't remember exactly, but I think Nerdist did a good job of talking about it in their article um, about the uh, pilot episode and uh, issues with um portraying white supremacists uh, particularly people who are racist and kind of not having them be scorned for it like and it's funny because the showrunner he defends himself saying that this is just how these, this was back in his day like this is just how his environment was and the people that he knew grew up were like so
0: which is true to a degree it's it's always that problem of How do you adapt something without offending when something was truly offensive back in the day?
2: Yeah, it's like sort of like society's sort of um, temperament for that stuff has changed over time, right?
0: Yeah, I know Warner Brothers with older well, some of their older cartoons have put a disclaimer in front, which I thought you know worked well uh, for what it was. It's like you know these are cartoons of their times; they don't reflect our ideals now, and we know some of it. um, You know, some of the imagery is, like... It's, you know, it's not great, (laughs) especially in today's time. Uh, It wasn't great back then, either, but, uh, you know, at least they acknowledged that... Yeah, absolutely.
1: Something was wrong in the past. Um, Oh, wait, and there's there's a few more. Uh, Real quickly, the Hessians are, like, the geeks. I have to mention that, because that was really hard to get from the pilot. I kind of had to Google search who they were, and basically... Or some sort of, like, German um, armada-type military. It, it, the entire thing is one big geek joke. They're just the nerds. They just didn't call them that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, I was actually wondering about that. I was like, are they just punk rock kids? I don't understand. Yeah. And then, uh, did I talk about the NWO? I did, right? No. no. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, just
0: the uh, one you touched upon, uh, Willie.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Willie runs the NWO, and they're basically the South Central Gangs of Compton. Um... I think... Oh, and Los Vatos, the most popular one. They're the uh, the Colombian drug lord uh, children, basically. They kind of run the school. I think I briefly touched on that, too. I don't remember. But, yeah. yeah.
2: So you're saying like the Sotos Vatos is, is like the top of the food chain, essentially, right? As far as a hierarchy goes.
1: Absolutely, yeah. which is why you'll see a lot of scenes between Marcus and Chico kind of going at it. Because Marcus... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, Chico is kind of like the alpha dog of the school. Well. Because mm-hmm. he's the, the... You know, that's the big... Uh, that's the big group. Um, the only person who might also be the alpha dog is uh, Willie, but you'll see as the episodes go on, they kind of have a weird dynamic, the two of them.
0: I know you described this pilot as like one of the best you've seen, and I'm right there with you. Um, how did you feel after watching the next three episodes that Sci-Fi sent us? Um,
1: it, uh... It goes in a very different direction than I expected from the pilot. Um, and I'm not saying that's a horrible thing, or but I'm not saying that's like the best thing too. Um, What's sold thing about the pilot was uh, they left a lot of room to explore these uh, different these different groups, um, the, kind of the different cliques which I was interested in, and then um, I kind of wanted to see um, Marcus's story. Uh, particularly where he was going to go next, um, after what happened with episode one, and I think they did a good job with Marcus's uh, storyline, definitely giving it more context and depth, but they didn't really delve into the uh, social clicks as much. It goes in a very different direction the next few episodes. Um, Is it in line with
0: the comic book or graphic novel? Uh, what? What exactly is it? is it? A comic book
1: series or is it a graphic novel series? I it's don't. uh it's a it's a continuing graphic novel series. Okay. I mean it's it's a comic book, but it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what was I saying? Oh yeah. Um so the So does it
0: follow the Series the the comic books uh or does it
1: kind of break off into its own after the first episode? Right, got it. Um, thank you. the The series doesn't follow the comic books to a T. From what I remember, the first trade back, like okay. the first half of it, was very much featured in the pilot. And what's interesting about the next few episodes is they really just kind of delve into the school, which I did not expect. So a lot of it is kind of like the high school itself which really isn't covered that much in the comic book. Um, There is the second half of the trade book that I'm not sure will be okay to adapt for network television, but it's like one of the biggest fan favorites. Uh. It kind of involves an LSD trip to Las Vegas, Hunter S. Thompson style. And uh, I'm not sure if they're going to put that in the show because it's very... Um, over the top. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, they did, uh, do, uh, a drug reference right from the get-go in the pilot with, what was it, uh, the marijuana that was laced with,
1: uh, angel dust? (laughs) Angel dust, yeah, PCP. Um, and from, if I remember from, uh, from Comic-Con, they mentioned, oh yeah, that's our homage to that scene, but a part of me is, like, wondering, if they were just joking and they're going to actually do the crazy LSD trip later because it, it does, uh, encompass a lot of the storyline of the comic, uh, for the first trade anyway. Okay. Um, so
0: outside of that, um, <laughs> I know in your review, you gave it, uh, a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share? Like, what's your, what's your pitch To get like, I'm guessing you want people to watch this. So, what's your, I guess, three sentence pitch on why folks should uh, tune in?
1: Uh, The Russo brothers do a great job uh, executive producing. There's just a lot of action sequences that are well executed. Uh, The acting is pretty amazing uh, for the material that they're given, and uh, the writing is still pretty up there. Uh, I would say. It definitely captures that countercultural essence of the uh, late '80s, early '90s. So, if you've ever been like a misfit, this is like the perfect uh, show, show for free. you. Yeah.
2: Nice. And I will say, doesn't the show doesn't really seem to shy away from violence, which is like an interesting aspect of it? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I put it up there, the at least the pilot episode up there with Lost as one of my favorite episodes.
2: Ooh. Of, uh, <laughs>
0: Like first episodes of a series, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like visually, it's breathtaking. Some of those scenes, like the festival in the beginning, um, yeah, and just like yeah. the aesthetic of it all, uh, it just pops. Uh, I can't wait to watch more. Same here. Um, I just Same need to make here. time for that.
2: Um, <laughs> we will make time for you, sci-fi. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, um, pla- so I think that wraps us up for our pilot episode of Deadly Class. Um, we. I, I, what do you guys think? Well, should we be doing weekly episodes for this? Podcast episodes?
1: Um, How do you guys want to approach this? I mean, I'm, I'm still going to cover uh, with articles and stuff, but I yeah. wouldn't be opposed to it. However, I will mention, there's so much good television right now. It's kind of insane. It really is. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So much I mean, TV,
2: so little time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Netflix
0: just dropped 100 shows, and I'm already behind oh my God. on every single one. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's 100 more coming tomorrow. Yeah. Oh,
2: my God. <laughs> yeah,
0: so um, keep an eye out on the WorkPrint podcast feed. We should have more content coming your way. Uh, we just released a Gamescast episode after two and a half years. Nice. And, <laughs> like, we never skipped the beat. Uh, and we're working on, uh, setting a date again for next week, uh, for another episode. Uh, later this week, Nicole and I will be talking magicians. It's uh, awesome! Four. Yes, <laughs> for review. it's awesome. Uh, we've seen the first three, and I think we'll have more of a conversation style, mm-hmm. um, moving forward. I think for Deadly Class, what we were looking for was, you know, just, uh, christian's been so deep in this series <laughs> for so long he's our
2: guru on this. yeah
0: we figured we ask him about the series to get you guys uh better insight on where the series came from and what it's about um moving forward if we do an episode two podcast i think we'll talk more about what's going on in the episodes uh more like a review format of uh the series um cool. stay tuned to the work print we have uh article dropping um Along with this podcast For Deadly Class And Christian will be covering it Weekly as well Shameless plug
2: Follow yes. Christian on Twitter And The Workprint on Twitter Yes
0: So um <laughs> You can You can Visit us At TheWorkPrint.com <laughs> uh, Follow us On Facebook And Twitter At The Workprint
2: And Instagram And Instagram
0: okay. YouTube as well Throw us a, a Subscribe <laughs> We You know We tend to do Interviews with Celebrities at Comic Con um, We have a lot stuff up there so give a subscribe um you can follow myself over at twitter at bilal underscore mia christian where can
1: people find you uh <laughs> it's on the work print because <laughs> i don't remember my own handles i believe it's xnangelis at everything but yeah you can find it on the WordPress. print
0: And Nicole?
2: Oh, and um, you can follow me on Twitter with, at Nick C, two uh, N I, two I's, and then the X, and then C.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>
2: Catch you guys in the next episode. Awesome. Bye. 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 Awesome.